Welcome to Have You Heard the AABP Podcast. My name is Dr. Fred Gingrich, and I'm the Executive Director of AABP. And today we're going to talk about a, an important topic, and that's lameness in the, in the fed cattle industry. And joining us today is Sarah Erickson from Alberta. Sarah, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Good morning, Fred. Thanks for the introduction. Um, so I, as Fred said, I'm from Alberta. Um, I actually grew up southeast of Sundry, Alberta, so just kind of south-central of the province. I grew up on my parents' commercial cattle farm. We have Black Angus Simmental cattle. At the age of nine, I began be- building my own herd through 4-H, which I was actively involved in for nine years. I now have close to 30 cows in my herd. Uh, growing up, I was also actively involved in my mom's rural mixed animal veterinary practice, and this led me to want to pursue a career in bovine veterinary medicine. So in April 2018, I convocated from the University of Alberta with my Bachelor of Science in Agriculture. That same spring, I began working for Feedlot Health Management Services up in Okotoks area. Uh, my role at Feedlot Health initially involved a variety of feedlot-related tasks, including digital post, in, including performing digital necropsies on feedlot cattle. My role then evolved into a technical position involving manipulating and applying epidemiological analysis methods to data for our clients for reporting purposes. Uh, my role at Feedlot Health also involves developing and programming automated reporting systems and databases for use by consultants and clients. In the fall of 2019, I began studies and project work to earn my Master's of Science in Large Animal Clinical Sciences. Uh, This is through both Feedlot Health and the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. I've been very fortunate through this degree program to maintain my full-time position with Feedlot Health, and I'll be defending my thesis in this upcoming September. My goal to pursue a career as a bovine practitioner hasn't changed, and I'll continue in that pursuit following the completion of my master's. Once I've earned my DVM, I hope to return to Feedlot Health and join the consultant team. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and we hope to uh, welcome you into the profession in a few years, um, um, Sarah, as a veterinarian. But I'm really interesting, uh, interested to hearing uh, your um thoughts and, and some of the some of the research that you have collected uh, talking about lameness in feedlot cattle. And I think many of our listeners are pretty familiar with the lameness problems in dairy farms and, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, as an organization of beef and, and dairy veterinarians, we may automatically say, yeah, lameness is a big problem in the dairy industry, which it is, and, and probably in the cow-calf operations during wet weather. But do we see significant lameness problems in feedlot cattle? Absolutely. Uh, So lameness is a significant issue in feedlot cattle. On average, lameness occurs in approximately 3.72% of the population. And this is for Western Canadian feedlot cattle. Um, And so that actually accounts for nearly 30% of all the treatments on those animals. And that's the second highest treatment rate next to bovine respiratory disease. So the welfare and economic repercussions of this can be quite severe. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the economic consequences. You know, we all of us are familiar with bovine respiratory disease, of course, but, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the economic consequences of lameness in the fed cattle industry? 
I would say first and foremost, lame cattle typically weigh about 50 pounds less than their healthy pen mates. So this can equate to a loss of about $80 Canadian or $60 American uh, per head on 1400 pound steers. So obviously that compounds quite a bit when you're in quite a large yard. Um, but that's not factoring in the costs of treatment, including labor, pain medication and antimicrobial use or the costs associated with railing cattle, salvage slaughter or euthanasia and mortality. And let's talk about some of the uh, lameness diseases we see in feed dye cattle. What are those top uh, um, problems that we see? The main diseases that we see in feedlot cattle for lameness include foot rot, arthritis, laminitis, digital dermatitis, and totic necrosis syndrome. We also see quite a bit of musculoskeletal injuries, including soft tissue injuries. Um, these can be caused from handling equipment or facilities and, of course, broken legs. Yeah, so not too different from what we see uh, in dairies, uh, maybe except for sole abscesses. So let's talk a little bit about the first one there, foot rot. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about foot rot, the etiology and diagnosis, treatment and control of that disease in feedlot cattle. Sure. So foot rot, uh, it's otherwise known as interdigital necrobacillosis or infectious bovine pododermatitis. Uh, this is an infectious bacterial disease most commonly caused by Fusobacterium necroforum. Uh, and this disease is diagnosed in approximately 2.34% of Western Canadian feedlot cattle. Foot rot lesions are typically characterized by necrosis and sloughing of the subcutaneous tissue in the interdigital cleft of the hoof. And this is also accompanied by very foul odor. Lesion size can vary from anything from less than a centimeter or uh, less than half an inch, I guess, uh, to the entire length of the interdigital cleft. And these lesions are often accompanied by swelling above the coronary band of the hoof and into the pastern and fetlock fetlock region of the lower limb. Uh, So some of the risk factors associated with foot rot are poor pen hygiene, uh, dried mud, rocks and frozen ground and ice in the pen environment. Um, They can cause traumatic injury to the skin of the interdigital cleft, which provides an entry point for pathogens. Uh, As far as treatment goes, early detection and intervention with antimicrobial therapies are considered the gold standard for foot rot treatment in feedlot cattle. The most common antimicrobials used are oxytetracyclines, which are typically used earlier in the feeding period, and ceftiofors, so our Exceed and XNL, which have relatively short withdrawal times, making their use in heavier feeder cattle more desirable than antimicrobials with longer withdrawal periods. Yeah. And that can be a frustrating disease. That is a, a point where antimicrobials uh, uh, should be utilized due to the infectious nature of that disease. But another one that maybe some of our listeners that are not familiar with uh, with feedlot cattle uh, that that you listed is toe tip necrosis syndrome. What is that? Mm-hmm. So toe tip necrosis syndrome. It's got a variety of different names. So P three necrosis, uh, apical white line disease, toe ulcers, or apicus necrotica. Uh, It's a hoof-related lameness diagnosed in approximately zero point zero six percent of Western Canadian feedlot cattle. Clinical cases of totip necrosis syndrome are characterized by separation of the apical or axial white line of the hoof, bacterial infection, tissue necrosis of the P3 joint, and severe lameness, uh, specifically in the toe area. This disease most commonly affects the lateral claw of the hind feet in 10 to 12-month-old beef cattle, 
and develops within several days to a few weeks after processing, weaning, and transportation to a feedlot. Uh, the most widely accepted hypothesis regarding the pathogenesis of totic necrosis syndrome is the abrasion theory. So the abrasion theory speculates that repeated trauma in the form of excess wear of the sole and more specifically the apical white line associated with abrasive surfaces such as concrete and metal allow bacteria to enter the white line at the apex of the claw. From this separation of the apical white line, bacteria can then track into the hoof capsule and the pedal bone causing infection and necrosis. Um, it seems that additional research investigations note that cattle with a really wild disposition are more commonly involved with this disease uh, because of those risk factors. Uh, the most widely accepted and efficacious treatment of totem necrosis syndrome is debriding or trimming the end of the hoof just enough to relieve the pressure inside the hoof caused by the infection. In addition to debridement, the animal should be treated with a long-acting antimicrobial, something like a uh, long-acting tetracycline. Um, but it's really important to note that antibiotics alone have not proven to be efficacious in treating this disease. The hoof has to be trimmed or debrided in combination with that antimicrobial therapy. And many of our listeners uh, are familiar with the dairy industry and how that's handled. On the feedlots in Alberta, when animals are brought into the treatment facility and they have this is it typically the 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 uh, on-site crew that is that is trimming out the the toes and the chute systems are set up to lift those feet? Yeah, so we have um, we actually have a couple clients through Feedlot Health that um, they'll have like a winch system essentially, so they can wrap like a rope around the fetlock of the hoof and then winch the hoof up, and then they can do the debridement that way. Um, there's also people that just simply kind of you know manual labor can be can be used for that as well. Um, but yeah, it is up to the stock attendants primarily to do those yeah. things uh, with the help of veterinarians for the proper diagnoses of these disease diseases. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about papillomatous digital dermatitis, very common in the dairy industry. Um, and, you know, we manage that in the dairy industry a lot of times with, with foot baths as they exit the parlor. Uh, talk a little bit about the unique challenges and, and about that disease in the, in the fed cattle industry. For sure. Uh, so digital dermatitis, um, it's got a couple of colloquial names, uh, hairy heel wart or strawberry foot rot. Um, this disease is typically diagnosed in about 0.21% of our Western Canadian feedlot population. Um, it's the characteristics of the lesions for DD are painful and ulcerative. Uh, they have distinct borders and are generally located at the skin horn junction of the heel bulb. And these lesions are typically bright red in coloration. Chronic lesions will have epithelial growths both surrounding the lesion surface and on the lesion, sorry, surrounding the lesion borders and located on the lesion surface. Uh, lesions are painful upon palpation and prone to bleeding when touched. And histologically, there's a loss of stratum corneum, epidermal hyperplasia, and reactive inflammation. Uh, little is known about the etiology of DD. However, treponema species are implicated in the pathogenesis of this disease. Multiple phylotypes of treponemes have been shown to be highly invasive with multiple different phylotypes detected in the same DD lesions. However, no individual phylotypes can be associated with a specific colonization pattern or a specific type of lesion. Uh, treponemes associated with DD induce a humoral and cell-mediated immune response. However, studies into the exact processes behind that immune response are quite limited at this time. 
thus far, the most common treatment, as you mentioned, Fred, uh, for DD is a foot bath. Uh, typically, these are copper sulfate foot baths. Unfortunately, uh, the unique problem for feedlots is the feasibility of a foot bath in a feedlot environment is quite poor. We do have some yards that have implemented these um, where they're they put the foot bath in on the outside of the processing barn and then following rehandle events or even arrival events that all the animals that have been rehandled will run through that foot bath. But as far as having them in a position where animals can walk through them on a daily basis, it's, it's not, not really feasible for feedlots to be able to do that. Um, other treatments range from systemic antimicrobial injection, topical antimicrobial application, and the use of copper zinc gel applications. The most efficacious and practical treatment for feedlots is actually currently being researched, but the results have yet to be published on that. Um, An important factor in the management protocols for DD must also be the recognition that sometimes foot rot and digital dermatitis occur in the same animal at the same time. And this presents some pretty unique management treatment strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly, uh, certainly a challenge, uh, uh, to manage that disease, I imagine even more challenging during the winter in Western Canada can be uh, can be a, a significant issue as well. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about pain management for lameness in feedlot can- cattle. We did a uh, a podcast with Gerard Kramer talking about pain management and lameness in dairy cattle. Um, is that utilized on feedlots? Is there opportunities there for both research as well as uh, you know the practical application of that? Yeah, um, for sure. I definitely think there are opportunities for it to be used and for research into that area. Um, thus far, the use of pain medication for lame cattle um, is, you know, it's supported in principle, but it hasn't been studied very much in feedlots. And there's just a scarcity of publications, um, particularly for feedlot lameness within that regard. Yeah. And I think for our listeners, I would recommend that you certainly make sure that, you know, um, Sarah, walk through, uh, you know, our top diseases in feedlot cattle. Make sure that you are developing protocols for your farms, following through, and then monitoring those uh, as your role on the veterinarian. And one of the uh, reasons I wanted Sarah to do this podcast is that I heard a very interesting presentation from her at the last Academy of Veterinary Consultants meeting where she discussed the epidemiology of hoof-related lameness in feedlot cattle. So let's talk a little bit about that study, uh, Sarah. What was the objective of the study, and then what was your study population? Um, So there was actually two main objectives for this research, the first of which was to describe the epidemiology of hoof-related lameness in Western Canadian feedlot cattle. So that includes foot rot, digital dermatitis, and toe-tip necrosis syndrome. And we also wanted to specifically focus on the epidemiology of digital dermatitis, as this is a very novel research area specifically for feedlots. And then the second objective was to help inform producers, veterinarians, and researchers on recommendations for future research regarding the prevention and control of hoof-related lameness. Uh, The study population was 1,772,565 head. These were placed in 28 Western Canadian feedlots between the years of 2014 to 2018. And during that time, all 28 feedlots placed cattle in each year. Great, great. Big, uh, big study population. That's a, mm-hmm. a nice advantage to large feedlots. Um, let's talk about what what are the what were the main findings of your study? 
Um, so lameness, uh, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit before. This includes arthritis, laminitis, musculoskeletal injuries, and of course, the hoof-related lameness diseases. Uh, this accounts for about 25.7% of all treatments in Western Canadian feedlot cattle. 70.8% of those treatments are for hoof-related lameness. So this corresponds to about 18.3% of all treatments in feedlots are going to be, in Western Canadian feedlots, are going to be for hoof-related lameness. Proportionally, foot rot accounts for 90.5% of hoof-related lameness, followed by digital dermatitis at 7.5% and toe-tip necrosis syndrome at 2.1%. So we evaluated uh, the relative risk of developing overall hoof-related lameness and digital dermatitis by itself against several animal-level risk factors. And from that, I've got four main points. So firstly, cattle sourced from both backgrounding and grazing operations are at a higher risk of developing both hoof-related lameness and digital dermatitis compared to auction market sourced cattle. Conversely, cattle sourced directly from cow-calf ranches are at a lower risk of developing hoof-related lameness or digital dermatitis compared to auction-sourced cattle. The second point uh, is that age class, so this is calves versus yearlings, was a significant risk factor for hoof-related lameness in which calves were higher risk than yearlings. However, this risk factor was not significant for the DD analysis. Uh, thirdly, sex was a significant risk factor for digital dermatitis in which females were higher risk than males. However, this risk factor was not significant for overall hoof-related lameness. Uh, and this one is kind of interesting because within the DD analysis, we also found an interaction relationship between sex and placement year. Uh, so as an example to explain this, we found that if the prevalence of DD increased within a given year, the magnitude of the risk in females compared to males also increased. Mm. And then the final point um, is that cattle placed in less than 10,000 animal populations were higher risk for developing hoof-related lameness compared to cattle placed in greater than 10,000 animal populations. We speculated that factors including smaller pen sizes, fewer animals per pen, improved time availability for pen checking and increased involvement by managers and owners likely contribute to a greater ability to detect and diagnose lame cattle in those small populations. Uh, interestingly, the opposite effect was seen for the digital dermatitis analysis, wherein cattle placed in the less than 10,000 animal populations were actually lower risk for developing DD compared to the cattle placed in the greater than 10,000 animal populations. And here we speculated that the larger population sizes simply have more animals, likely from more varied sources, and that increases the chances of DD entering the feedlot. Hmm. Those are very interesting findings because some of those uh, risk factors you identified, such as sourced from auction versus backgrounding, um, uh, are opposite of what we would expect for BRD. So those are, those are, those are, those are pretty interesting, uh, uh, findings. Um, Sarah, thank you for, thank you for sharing those. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the time period when animals are at risk for lameness for the very various, you know, diseases where we talk about, you know, the days on feed or even the calendar year, does that, are there risk uh, factors involved there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for foot rot, both by days on feed and the calendar date, 
feedlot producers can expect to see this disease occurring at a relatively constant rate. There may be increases in foot rot incidents following significant weather events where pen conditions change rapidly, but by and large, this disease will be present, will likely be present regardless of days on feed or the timing of the year. Uh, for digital dermatitis, it's a little bit different. So the majority of DD cases will occur at later days on feed. Uh, in particular, when we looked at the epidemiology of DD in my study, we found that less than 10% of DD cases will occur prior to 80 days on feed. Uh, with the majority of those cases, of course, happening later on. Uh, similarly to foot rot, DD is likely to occur throughout the calendar year, especially in feedlots that continually place cattle. Uh, Toe-tip necrosis is kind of our outlier as far as days on feed and calendar date. Uh, it's quite different from the other two diseases. Um, as I mentioned previously, toe-tip necrosis is diagnosed uh, typically in cattle within their first few weeks upon arrival into the feedlot. Um, when we looked at this a little bit closer, we found that over 50% of toe-tip necrosis cases occur within the first 50 days on feed. Uh, for feedlots that place the majority of their cattle during fall run from October to December, which is very common in Western Canada, they can expect to see a dramatic increase in the incidence of toe-tip necrosis syndrome during that time. Following 50 days on feed and over the remainder of the calendar year, this disease continues to occur at a relatively constant rate. Yeah, and <clears throat> let's wrap this up, Sarah, by talking about what veterinarians can do. Um, so what should veterinarians be looking at to evaluate the impact of lameness uh, in feedlots for their clients proactively? Mm -hmm. So I think there's three fairly important points here. Uh, first of which is ensuring that a definitive diagnosis is made. This is by far the most important impact that a veterinarian can make um, regarding these hoof-related lameness diseases. Um, this often means, as we talked before, that the foot have to be the feet have to be lifted uh, in order to properly view the lesions, and this can be a difficult task to encourage stock attendants to do. However, it is vital in preventing misdiagnoses and therefore mistreatment. Uh, secondly, utilizing the frequency distribution of definitive diagnoses is the best way to plan management um, plan the management of lameness in the feedlot cattle. So this approach provides yard-specific information, which may be uniquely valuable for, for preventing outbreaks, preventing misdiagnoses, or adjusting for annual fluctuations in lameness. And then finally, in addition to the veterinarian creation of the protocol for prevention and treatment, a welfare-friendly plan for non-responders has to be developed. Um, and this must take into consideration pharmaceutical withdrawal times and upgraded transport, transportation regulations for those compromised animals. Absolutely. Lots of opportunities here mm -hmm. for veterinarians to once again get involved on their client operations. Um, when we talk about feedlot cattle, probably the first disease that everyone thinks of, of course, is bovine respiratory disease. Mm -hmm. But we need to recognize, veterinarians need to recognize that lameness is a significant problem and disease in feedlot cattle. And as Sarah walked us through the there, there is a significant number of treatments for hoof-related diseases. And whenever we're using uh, medications on farms, that's a great place for veterinarians to get involved. Make sure that you identify the risk factors on your client operations. As Sarah suggested, make sure that you have a frequency distribution to, to plan for the management of lameness in feedlot cattle, and then work on prevention programs. 
Make sure that you're developing treatment protocols, but you're also monitoring them and monitoring your client's mm-hmm. record. And that includes, especially for hoof-related diseases, that we have an accurate diagnosis. We've identified the diseases that uh, frequently occur in feedlot cattle when we're talking about lameness. So make sure your clients are using uh, uh, an appropriate exam because when we're talking about the foot and this goes for beef and dairy cows, the easy thing to do is to walk the animal through the treatment facility and inject an antibiotic. But again, if they have toe tip necrosis or even digital dermatitis, we need to also include that local therapy and make sure we're examining the foot as difficult as that is, but let's make sure that our clients are doing that. I also want to talk a little bit about some of the AABP resources. AABP has a lameness committee. Uh, if you are interested in joining that committee, just go to our committee page and click on the lameness committee. You can see our committee members there. You can uh, click on the button to email the committee if you would like to join. We also have a number of lameness resources on our resources page on that same site part of the website. So I'd encourage our members to look through those resources. And if you have an interest in lameness and you're a feedlot veterinarian, we really encourage you to join that committee. And then finally, I want to inform our listeners that Dr. Mike Apley also did a presentation at the 2020 recent grad conference where he talked about lameness in feedlot cattle, walked through some of these diseases as well. Uh, There's a very excellent proceedings paper that we will link in our show notes uh, that is open access that our members can read, as well as listening to that presentation uh, as well to more familiarize yourself with lameness in the fed cattle industry. So Sarah, I want to thank you so much for for, uh, sharing your research. Best of luck with your thesis, as well as uh, your uh, uh, goal of uh, going to veterinary school and and joining us as a veterinarian. Thank you so much for participating. Thank you, Fred. I really appreciate this opportunity.